Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about the fact that Jesus is the one who paid it all. Um, so if you, uh, you can go and be seated, go and grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. Um, Matthew is the first book in your New Testament. So right there, Matthew, Matthew chapter number 28. Um, we're in the midst of a series called After the Resurrection. After the resurrection, and so uh, if you're watching right now on Facebook land, uh, go ahead and uh, like, comment, share, 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 share. Let's get the word out today. Uh, if you're in the room right now, uh, let, let's start in the process of, we can start inviting people, okay? We've got some room here, so that's good. Uh, so let's start inviting people and, uh, and, and having them share in person what God is doing uh, in this place. So we're uh, going to be in Matthew chapter number 28, uh, and so we're in a series called After the Resurrection. And what we're doing is we're taking the 40 days uh, that Jesus, from his resurrection to his ascension, and basically saying, okay, what did Jesus do, and what did, um, what did he have to say? Now, the first couple of uh, messages were all about basically how he showed himself evident in the resurrection. And so I encourage you to go back and watch those and everything, if you haven't paid attention to that, because Jesus lays out in many different ways proving his resurrection, which is great, I think, when we talk to other people that maybe have some questions about the resurrection and Jesus and all this kind of stuff. But the past two weeks, last week and this week and also next week, we're going to look at what Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. Now, Matthew 28, uh, we're going to be in verse 16, so automatically in your mind, you're going, okay, I've heard this before. I've heard this before, because if you've been in church in any amount of time, Probably in some way, shape, or form, if you've been in church for several years, you have heard this section of Scripture preached before. And what we have a tendency to do when we've heard something so many times over and over is two things we do. One is we completely ignore it, or it starts to lose its significance a little bit, okay? So when we first heard it, it was like, wow, and then we hear it again, and 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 we kind of lose the significance of it, okay? Because here's, here's what happens. We want something fresh and new, right? We want something fresh and new. We live in an in a, in a entertainment society that it's all about, okay, what's the latest and greatest? What's the next thing that's going to come up on my feed on, on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it may be, Okay. Um, you know, w- w- when's the next new program on TV coming on? When's the next new song coming out? Something new, fresh all the time, right? We want something new. In reality, what we're going to talk about today is we're actually talking about something that's going to feel old, but it's not really old at all because here's the deal. Even though it's old from the standpoint of information, it is still something that, that, that God has used from the standpoint of his plan to reach the world with the gospel, and so when we look at this in this area, the, the, the Great Commission, and the title of the message is Steps to Personally Fulfill the Great Commission. Okay? Steps to Personally Fulfill the Great Commission. Okay? What's that third word? Everybody say it. One, two, three. With the third word. One, two, three. Personally. Personally. Because even when we talk about the Great Commission, we think about that somebody else's job. That's what the missionary does. You know, that's, that's, that's what, that's what those, those preachers and pastors do. They're the ones who are supposed to go out there and fulfill the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is a personal commission. It's a personal commission. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word. Lord God, I pray that that, of, of all things, Lord God, would be paramount right now. 
that, Lord God, the only thing that would be, that would be lifted up and highlighted today is you and your word. Lord God, your word is powerful. And so many times, Lord God, we, we, we look at it in a casual way, and especially, Lord God, with areas of the Scripture that we may be more familiar with, we kind of skim over and pass over and say, you know, I've already, I've already seen that. I already, I already know that. Let me go on to something new. When in reality, Lord God, right now, the Great Commission is for all of us. As much as it was for the disciples that day, it's for all of us. And so, Lord God, I pray you just move in an awesome way today. We love you so much. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, hopefully, uh, hopefully at this point, you're in uh, Matthew chapter 28. Now, I've got out of practice a little bit. I didn't do this for like two months with the online stuff like that because I couldn't hear it, all right? So you know what's about to come, all right? If you're in Matthew 28, verse 16, if you're there, say, I'm there. Man, I love it. I love it. It's so good. I love it. All right, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, this is kind of as an introduction, but I think it's kind of interesting as a kind of a commercial right here, is what I love about the, the, the scriptures is it doesn't try to polish up the story. It doesn't try to, 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 to you know, let, let's, let's, let's not do, talk about the bad parts. Let's just talk about the good parts. You know, let's, let's try to make everybody feel like, like everything went together exactly perfect and wonderful. What I'm saying about that is I love the fact that we say they worshipped him but, and some doubted. Like what I love about the gospel account is it doesn't say, okay, it doesn't just put the good stuff and let's eliminate the bad stuff. The gospel is completely transparent from the standpoint if it was good, it was written down. If it was bad, it was written down. If it was indifferent, it was written down. And here's why I'm telling you about this, because this is not some fairy tale. This actually happened. Can I get an amen? Because here's the deal. If you were writing a story, if you were writing a fairy tale, why would you put that some doubted? Okay? But he's telling exactly what is going on. Now, we're about to go into verse 18, but here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, because again, this is a very uh, familiar set of Scripture, and we'll have a tendency to look at it in a, I've already heard that kind of way. So here's what I want everybody to do. And this, the, we have security, so don't feel like you have to, like, what, what, like, I don't know if I should do this or not, okay? I want everybody to close their eyes. Close your eyes, okay? Some of you are already freaked out by this whole deal, okay? Close your eyes, and what I want you to do is I want you to go to a moment in your mind. A moment in your mind. And the specific moment is what we're talking about is I want you to actually be there. I want you to be on that mountain. And I want you to put yourself in the place of that you are one of those disciples that are, on, that are at that mountain and Jesus is about to speak. Now what you've heard, it, what he's about to say, you have never, ever heard. It is completely new, it is completely fresh. And this is not just anybody, this is not just words on a page, this is Jesus himself, the resurrected Savior that is standing there on that mountain, and he is about to to open his mouth to say something, but you don't know what. And so if you were there, and you were listening, I, I, I hope at this point, because now, okay, this is resurrected Savior, you would hang on every single word that he's about to say. And so put yourself on that mountain. Jesus is standing before you. He's about to say something. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. 
Now, in just a minute, Jesus is about to say something. And so when I tell you to open your eyes, I want you to open your eyes and look forward. And I want you to keep that picture in your mind and listen to what Jesus has to say. Go ahead and open your eyes. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Now why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because I don't want you to look at it from the standpoint of something you've already heard before. I want you to look at it from the standpoint of it, it, that Jesus, Jesus himself was standing up here and those words that you heard are exactly what Jesus was saying, not in a, in a written down Bible, something I've heard before, but those words were being spoken to you right now by Jesus. Right now by Jesus. So at this point, at this point, from, from where we are right now, what we're about to learn, what we're about to see, the steps to fulfill the Great Commission, I want you to take them down like you've never heard them before. I've never heard this before. And take it, take it as new information and actually let God speak to your heart today. So first step, we're going to talk about steps to personally fulfilling the Great Commission. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, I want you to recognize, we have to recognize the authority and power of Jesus. We have to recognize the, the authority and power of of Jesus. Let's look in verse 18. Now, here's what I want to tell you too. Some people will preach the Great Commission and they'll go straight to verse 19. But you can't do verse 19 until you do verse 18, all right? And I'll explain that in just a minute. But let's look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So before he actually commissions his disciples in what they're supposed to do, he reminds them of his power. Now, that word power is specific in, in, in what, it, it, what it means, okay? That, that word power there means all the right of absolute authority and all the resources of absolute power. Okay, so all the right of absolute authority and all the resources of absolute power. All power belongs to him both in heaven and in earth. Another way to say this is in Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 16, says, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Notice this, verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church. What are we? The church, okay, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. That word preeminence means precedence or priority of place, superiority in rank or dignity. So let's explain this before we even get to what he's going to ask the disciples to do. What God is saying, all, or excuse me, what Jesus is saying, all power is given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now, when we talk, think about Jesus' power, we think about his strength. We think about his might. 
we think about his ability to do something in the process. But this word power is not just about the, the resources he has at his disposal, but it's also talking about his power, his authority, okay? He sits in power. He is, he is, he is, he is, he is above all, okay? So not only is he strong and mighty, but he's in charge. Can I get an amen? Okay, and he establishes that. Before we even get to what he's going to ask him to do, like, let me help you, Jesus like, let me help you understand. I'm standing here in all power, all power. Whether it's here on earth or in heaven, I'm standing here in all power, in strength and might, but also in absolute authority, absolute authority, okay? And, and so when we, we, we talk about the Great Commission, first thing we have to realize before what we need to do is we have to realize who's telling us to do it, okay? This is not just the pastor telling you or even the Bible telling you, okay? This is Jesus himself saying, look, I am all-powerful, and I'm about to say something, but you need to understand that I'm all-powerful. So we have to recognize his authority and his power. Now, number two, if you're taking notes, step number two, when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission, we need to go with gospel intent. We need to go with gospel intent. Let's look at verse 19. It says, Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now it says, go ye therefore. Anytime in the Bible you see the word therefore or wherefore, you cannot just take that verse and just read that for what's right there in that verse. If it says therefore or wherefore, you have to read before the verse in order to understand the verse itself. Okay? So go ye therefore. Why go? Because Jesus has what? All power. Okay? Because Jesus has all power, because he has might and strength, and because he is in charge and ultimate authority, because of those two factors, because he has all power, go ye therefore. Okay? And it says teach all nations. All right? Teach all nations what? Okay? Teach them the gospel. That makes pretty pretty. Okay, If you're going to someone who doesn't know the gospel, who is lost without Christ, if you're going to teach them something, you need to teach them the gospel, right? What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, So we're going to go ye therefore, teach all nations. Now one thing about that too is go ye therefore, teach all nations. That also includes everyone. Okay, Because what do we do? We think all nations, that's great. I'll go on a mission trip. I'll go give money to a missionary. And we'll go reach all the nations except for this nation. Now, or do we live in a Christian nation? No, we do not, okay? We do not, all right? Now, I understand that there, there, are, uh, there are a lot of Christians here, but we are not necessarily a Christian nation, all right? Because if we're a Christian nation, that means that everybody in the nation would be what? Christians, and they're not, Okay? So we don't live in a Christian nation. So when we talk about reaching the nations, we're not just talking about overseas. We're talking about right here. We're also talking about, from the standpoint of reaching the nations, is that all nationalities. We're also talking about reaching all of our neighbors, all of our coworkers, all of our classmates, to teach all nations. And then from the standpoint of the gospel intent, when somebody gets saved, what's their next step? Baptism. So he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So everything about verse 19 is about the gospel. Go ye therefore, 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, why am I saying that? Because we don't necessarily go out in our lives with gospel intent. With gospel intent. Now, what, I, I, let, let me describe it this way. All right? So we have a, we have a, we have a, we have a, a commission. By the way, it is not the great suggestion. Do you all know that, right? It's not the great suggestion. All right? And here's, what, here's what's really interesting about it. We, it's a great commission, but really, if we want to put a, a better term around it, because he's talking about, he's saying it in all power, meaning authority and his might and strength, it's not just the great commission, it's the great command. Jesus is saying, this is what, you're, what, you're, what you should do, ought to do, you will do, because I have power, you're going to go that way, okay? But we need to go with gospel intent. Now, what, what does that look like? What does that look like? Just so, so, we're, so we're, we're, we're completely understanding each other, okay? The Great Commission is not optional. And let me help you with this. The Great Commission always starts with salvation. Always starts with salvation. Now, it doesn't end there. We'll talk about that in just a minute, okay? But we need to go out into the world with gospel intent. Now, um, some people would say that, that, you know what, when it says go, I need to go, ahead, go do some humanitarian effort. And so they'll see the gospel in my humanitarian effort. I'm not against humanitarian effort. I, I'm not against somebody who's poor giving them something to eat. Can I get an amen? I'm not against that, all right? I'm not against those things. I'm not against, you know, uh, putting people up in shelters and, and all these kind of different things. I'm not against doing those things. But here's what I figured out. In the world we live in right now, like, I, I didn't say this in the first hour. i got to say it now. Have you realized that doing good has become, like, trendy? Have y'all seen, seen that? Okay, every single company has like this, this special like, hey, we, we're, we're, we're a company with a purpose. You know, we're trying to change the world. We're trying to make a difference. Now, I love that about companies, that they're trying to, to have some kind of social responsibility in what they're doing. But let me help you with this. You can do all those nice things and not be a Christian. Does that make sense? You can do all these nice things out in the world, and I'm not saying that's not, uh, the, 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 you know, feeding hungry people and doing all this kind of stuff. That's all great and wonderful, but we're Christians. So when we go do something humanitarian, we have to have, well, put my, my second step on there. When we go do something humanitarian, we need to have, what's that, those last two words? With what? Gospel intent. We have to have gospel intent. You know, here's a better way to say it. You, 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 you give some, some, someone some food, and you give them the gospel. You, give some, you put a roof over somebody's head, and you give them the gospel. Okay? It's with gospel intent. Now, here's what I'm going to say. We, and I'm going to say we because uh, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting better with this, but I don't always go out in my life with gospel intent. When I, when, I, when I go to, go, when I, when, hopefully when I go to work, I don't have to have gospel intent because I work at a church, but whatever. Um, but but it, when somebody goes to work or when somebody, you know, goes to, to town or somebody goes to school, is our mentality like, I'm here with gospel intent. I'm here with gospel intent. My, like, I, I, when, as I walk into my, my, my school or when I walk into the workplace or when I walk into, you know, the, the store I'm going into, a, a, am I looking and going, okay, I'm going with gospel intent. And, and here's, how, here's how we're going to apply this, okay? And I know some of y'all are getting really weirded out when I say these kind of things. This week, when? This week. This week 
If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, this week I want you to have a gospel conversation with someone this week. We've talked about this multiple times in the history of Temple Baptist Fairview. And let's be honest, we get nervous, <laughs> we don't know what to do, and all this kind of stuff, and we talk ourselves out of it week in and week out to not do it. This is the week we're going to do it. Amen? This is the week we're going to do it. Now, I'm going to help you with it, okay? I'm just going to help you with it because some of you are freaking out right now. Ah, okay? I'm going to help you with it. One is, what, what, what is the gospel? Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? So, so you know what that is. What, now, when it comes to, to, to get, let's get the gospel out. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to share your story with somebody. If you're saved, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want you to share your story with somebody, okay? Now, now, and, and there's a couple ways you can go about this. You can come right out with it, or you can, you can ask somebody, hey, and, and let me help you with this too. Um, if you ask somebody if they're saved, what's most everybody's response going to be? Yes, Okay? Because everybody wants to be a Christian, right? What's sad about it, I hate to say it this way, do you, do you know that Christianity has somewhat become trendy? Like everybody's saying okay? But, but, but if, somebody, if you say, hey, you're a Christian, are you saved? And they say yes, here's the next question you ask. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And get their story, all right? But this week, let's, have a go- let's go out with gospel intent. Let's have a gospel conversation, all right? Now, I'll help you with this. Does, does church membership and salvation mean the same thing? No, not at all, okay? So some of you are like, well, I, who do I ask? Like, if you don't specifically know somebody's lost, okay, but you don't specifically know if they're saved, there's your person. <laughs> so here's a way you can do it. If you know somebody goes to church, but you've never heard their salvation story, I want you to ask that person their salvation story this week. Like, hey, I know you go to church, but tell me your salvation story. Well, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. <laughs> there's, this little, <laughs> there's this little icon. <laughs> but by the way, I don't know if you all know this. This is called a phone. It's a smartphone. I don't really know how smart it is, okay? But this is a phone, all right? And, and, and the primary purpose of a phone is to do what? Make calls. I know some of y'all don't do that, all right? It's amazing to me how many people will call and they'll text me back, hey, what do you need? Pick up the phone. That's what I need you to do, all right? Has anybody else experienced that? That drives me bananas. If I wanted to text you, I would have sent a text, okay? I want to call you. I want to hear your voice. It is so soothing to me to hear your voice, all right? But, but, but on my phone, on my phone, if I go to call somebody, there's a little button that says contacts. And, I, and there's probably a way to figure this out. Let me, just, let me just see if I can right now. I don't know. I don't think it will tell me. Well, here we go. Here we go. There's, here's my contacts. Don't zoom in too close, okay? I got some important people right here, all right? Here we go. But here's my contacts. That's B. Now I got to C. I've got hundreds, hundreds of contacts in my phone. Hundreds of contacts in my phone. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I know hundreds of people, <laughs> according to my phone, right? And here's what I want you to do. And, and some of you are like, well, I'm going to wait till I do it in person, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm not trying to be ugly about this, but I feel like we're running out of time. And, and, and it, it, the, the, the best conversation you may have is over the phone, and I like the whole in-person, all that kind of stuff, but you try to make schedules and all this kind of stuff, it may work out, but, right, but this week, when? When, when are you going to do it? This week, 
We're going to call somebody and have a gospel conversation with them. Here's what's really cool about this, because the Holy Spirit works in this whole deal. What you can do is you can get your phone, and you can start scrolling through your contacts and just be praying this. Holy Spirit, who needs to hear, who, who do I need to talk to about the gospel this week? And here's what's funny. When you're doing that, I've done this. I'm telling you, this is how the Holy Spirit works. You, you, you do that, and there'll be one name that's just kind of like, that's the person. You pick up the phone, you call that person. And you say, and, and here's a little tidbit. Here you go. Blame it on God. Hey, God told me to call you, and I need to talk to you about your salvation. Here's the deal. Even if they don't like the, the fact that you're calling them and talking to them, it, it's not on you. It's on God, okay? So that's a little trick, all right? So, so if I ever call you, if I ever call you and say, God told me, uh, and maybe I want to tell you, but I want to give God, like, never mind. Okay, right. But we go with gospel intent. We go with gospel intent. And when are we going with gospel intent? This week, this week, come on. Hey, if you do it, tell me about it. I want to know about it, okay? Because I believe, I believe God's going to do something really awesome. Here we go. Step number three. Step number three. Teach them to continue in obedience. Teach them to continue in obedience, all right? Now, we talked about baptism being something that was an obedient step, but we want to teach them to continue in obedience. Now, let's look in verse 20. Look in verse 20. We're going to look look at the first part, and then we'll look at the second part and the the next point. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, okay? Teaching who? Who do we need to be teaching? The people we lead to Christ. Now, that word observe, teaching them to observe. That word observe, when we think about the word observe, we think about viewing something, okay? Like watching something, noticing something. Like, I observed, you know, I, I, I went somewhere and I observed this. Graduation, great example, Okay. Okay, a lot of y'all with graduation this weekend, you were observers, okay? You were watching, you were observing, okay? But that word observe has multiple definitions, okay? The word observe here is not talking about viewing something. The word observe here, I, I, I actually wrote down the definition, means to keep or adhere to in practice, to comply with, this is really important right here, to obey, to obey. Teaching them, the people you lead to Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. So when it comes to the Great Commission, it's not just about sharing the gospel with somebody. It starts there because you can't can't grow in your relationship with Christ until you know Christ. Can I get an amen? It starts with salvation, okay? But it doesn't end there. Sometimes people take the Great Commission and say, we need to go win the lost. Yes, we do. But also what we need to do is once we win the loss, we have a responsibility to those newly saved people to teach them to observe observe the things that Jesus commanded, okay? Teach them to obey. Uh, I'm trying to give you a good example. Um, great example. Last week, um, one of our church members um, led two people to Christ at work, but then the guy, the first guy that was led to Christ at work then talked to a, when they got back to the office, talked to another guy, and then that guy that just got led to Christ led another co-worker to Christ, which is awesome, okay? Y'all think that's awesome? Yes? That's awesome. Here's the deal. That's the way it's supposed to be. Because, what is it that, okay, 
someone led him to Christ. So in turn, we need to teach that person to lead someone else to Christ. Does that make sense? Okay? To observe, to do. So if you teach someone to pray, you need to, you need to help them to actually pray. If we teach someone to read their Bible, we need to help them to actually read their Bible. Okay? Does that make sense? Our responsibility is to help them not just to, not just to know it, but to what? Do it, right? Okay? To, to teaching them to observe, to actually do it. We, we throw around this word discipleship a lot. And that word discipleship gets a really um, I, I, kind of a twisted definition because we think discipleship equal is knowledge. But discipleship is not just knowledge. It's the application of that knowledge. And so when we talk about the, it's our responsibility to, to, to lead people to Christ, but then in turn to then teach them to follow Christ and what that looks like, it, that's our responsibility. Now, a couple things. A couple things on that whole deal, right? Because what happens is, when we look at this, we say, okay, okay, I'm supposed to help someone else to follow Christ. One thing is, we can't teach something we don't know. Okay? One of the biz, big, biggest objections I hear to people sharing the gospel is, I don't want to share the gospel because I'm afraid they'll ask me a question, what do you think the rest of it is? That I don't know the answer to. They're going to ask me a question and I won't know the answer, okay? Two things on that. One, okay, uh, it's okay to not know the answer. Say amen. All right, probably the, one of the biggest downfalls of our society, me included, is we're a bunch of know-it-alls, right? <laughs> we're a bunch of know-it-alls. Everybody has an answer for something, all right? Really, let me help you this. I think what I'm starting to learn in my own life and everybody else's, it's not that everybody has an answer, it's that everybody has an opinion. Just just a side note, okay? All right? But, we, we, and we feel like if we don't have an answer, we're going to look stupid. So we either don't, don't open ourselves up to questions or we make up the answer on the spot. <laughs> so, that, okay? But here's, here's the deal. If, if somebody asks you a question about the faith and you don't know the answer, here's how you respond. That's a great question. Say it with me. That's a great question. Okay, the next part. Okay, that's a great question. I don't know. Say it with me. Okay, some of you teenagers are like, uh, what, I don't? I don't know? What's going on? I thought I knew everything, right? I don't know. And here's, here's the third part. But I will find out. Say it with me. But I will find out. Okay, some of y'all got, like, it's okay if you can if I tell them they have a great question, and I don't know, but I, I'm going to go find out. All right? But I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you tell somebody, like, look, that's an awesome question, great question. I don't know, but I will find out. So, so, so you don't have to know everything. Now, the second part of that is, if you don't know something, guess what? Go find the answer. Go find the answer. If there, right now, I, the, the, the objection to say, somebody's going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to, you already in your mind have several questions that might come up that you don't know the answer to. Okay? Let me help you with this. Go find the answer. <laughs> go find the answer. Like, go find it. Like, research it. Well, that sounds hard, Buchanan. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard every week <laughs> for me on Wednesdays and Fridays to study to find the answers to what the Scripture is trying to say, okay? But, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Can I get an amen? Okay? 
And so, so we need to go, we need to go find those answers, all right? Because here's the deal. Your personal Bible study and reading is not just for your benefit. It's for you to share with somebody else. I got a verse for you, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but sanctify the Lord, your Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give answer, an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That word sanctify means to make holy, okay? But sanctify, make holy the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer, all right? Because here's the deal. We live in a, in a society, especially now, that what people need a lot more of is hope. And let me help you with this. In our society, they're looking for hope somewhere, and if they can't find it in Christ, they will go find it somewhere else. And so here's the deal. We have, we have the solution. We have the antidote. We have the cure. We have the hope. And we need to be ready to answer and tell people about Jesus. So here's the application, okay? Who are you mentoring right now in the faith? Who are you personally mentoring right now in the faith? That's a little bit convicting if you think about it. Is there somebody specifically in your life right now that you are helping them to follow after God in a greater way? Or is it just about you? I, and, and I'm going to help you all with this too. Guess what? It doesn't happen on its own. You ever figured out the great intentions of trying to, hey, I, I really want to get with somebody and we're going to sit down and talk about all this kind of stuff and, 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 and a couple uh, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, years go by, and we never do it? In order to mentor somebody, guess what? You have to schedule it. I have, a thir- I, have a, I have a standing Thursday call with a family member in my life that we have a standing Thursday call. We talk every single Thursday. It doesn't work out every time, but we have made it, hey, we're going to talk every single Thursday, and we're talking about, about this person growing in their faith in Christ. Um, Jackson Harcrow. I don't want to keep talking about him because he's going to get the big head, okay? All right, but Jackson, those, those, those three guys that were led to Christ at the Joppa DOT, okay, that they all meet together on Thursday morning and they open up the Bible and they do Discovery Bible study every single Thursday morning. Four brand new Christians, excuse me, three brand new Christians in Jackson. And they're just walking through the scripture and just looking at things. What has God shown you? All this kind of stuff. And then they have this thing called I will statements to where, okay, based on what God has shown you, what are you going to do? And there's some accountability there. Why? Because he's teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus said for them to do. Does that make sense? But guess what? If he just says, hey guys, one day let's get together and, and, and study the Bible together, what's the likelihood of that going to happen? Zero. So who are you mentoring right now? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you helping to come closer to Jesus? Are you truly, here's, here's, here, this is good, are you truly making time to read and study the Scripture to have something to share with someone else? All right, last step, step number four. Step number four, I, I feel like this is the best step ever, okay? Best step of them all. Number four, embrace the constant presence of Jesus. Embrace the constant presence of Jesus. Let's go back into verse number 20. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, that word lo means look, behold, see. I am with you always. 
even on the end of the world. Amen. Now, notice that it doesn't say, I will be with you. It says, I am with you. Because here's why that's important. Because so many times we go, okay, if I step out and I go share the gospel, if I step out and I mentor somebody, if I step out and, 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 and try to you know, help them to follow after God, if I step out, will Jesus be with me? And we have this mentality that sometimes Jesus is with us and sometimes he's not. <laughs> but guess what? Jesus, if, you, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus is always with you. Say that with me. Ready? He is always with you. Always. Always. He's always. It's not that Jesus comes and goes as he pleases. He is always with you. What I love about the Great Commission is he starts with himself and ends with himself. Like, I don't know about you, but if you take out verse 18 and you take out the end of verse 20, and it's just like, okay, guess what? Go. Go out there, tell them the gospel, baptize them, and, and, and teach them to follow me. Go. I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> that's easy for you to say, Jesus. You're Jesus, right? But, in real, but right here, the fact of the Great Commission, it starts with God, his power, his strength, his authority, and it ends with, with Jesus. Right here, it's saying, hey, I'm going to be with you always even under the end of the world. So there's never a time, there's never, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, there's never a time when he's not with you. There, it's not like, okay, well, you know, will, will he be with me you know, when I'm 90? Yes. <laughs> will he be with you when he... Yes, always. Always he will be with you. And I love how the, how the, how the verse ends with the word, Amen. Amen. Now we say we say amen, and some of us don't even know what we're talking, what we're saying when we say amen. We we end our 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 our, our prayers with amens. I even ask for amens, right? Can I get an amen? All right, <laughs> okay. You know what that word amen means? It, it, it means so so it be, so it be. So so when when we're praying and we say amen, we're basically saying everything I prayed, God, let that come to pass. Let that be. Okay, the, here, when, when I ask for an amen, uh, it's, it's, it's in agreement. Like, can I get an amen? Yes, you can get an amen. So it be. And so we see right here that where, where this ends is, is that the, the final word of the whole entire gospel of Matthew is that word amen. That Here's the deal. This should and ought to be. Here's what's interesting. I thought about that this morning. This was a, I, I wasn't thinking this way, but first service kind of, that really, if you think about it, if we personally fulfill the Great Commission in our life, each one of us individually personally fulfill the Great Commission in our life, there is no reason why we cannot reach the entire world with the gospel. There's, what, 7, 8 billion people in the world? But think about this. Every single one of us share the gospel. Every single one of us encourages, not only do we share the gospel, but we encourage them to take the next step in baptism. And then in turn, we teach them to observe everything commanded, which would mean that Jesus commanded us to share the gospel. So we teach that person to share the gospel. So if I'm, I'm sharing the gospel and the person I share the gospel with gets saved, then they in turn share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. We'd be done. Like, I, I, I think I can say that definitively. Tim, would you agree? If we all did that consistently, we'd be done. 
We get the gospel out to every single person. If every single person fulfilled the Great Commission completely, shared the gospel, that person gets saved, you teach them to share the gospel with somebody else, we would be done. We'd be done. And I hope if we got done, maybe we get to heaven quicker. <laughs> I'm okay with that too. But we'd be done. See, what I love about it is that, that this, is, this is, God put a plan together that, okay, Jesus, Jesus went to the cross, died, Three days later, rose up in victory over those sins. And now, now because of the victory he has, is, here's the plan. What you have, you go tell to somebody else and teach them to do the same. And guess what? Oh, this is so great. The reason why we're not done, the reason why we're not done, okay, is there's a break in the system. Okay? There's a break in the system. And guess what the break in the system is? We are. We're the break in the system. Jesus lays it out perfectly, exactly how it needs to happen. And, and, and here's what's really cool about that. Exactly how it needs to happen, and it's a, it's a, it's a successful, it is, it is a, a, you can take it to the bank, this process will work. And the only thing that's messing up the process is who? We are. And, man, this is hurting me too, okay? (laughs) All right? We're the only ones messing up the process. He has laid out a process in place, the Great Commission, that we know not just, and here's what I want to help you with this too, not just from the standpoint that Jesus said it, that means it'll work and that is part of it, but here's the deal too. It's working. It's working. Do you know how you got saved? Somebody told you about it. Somebody told you about Jesus. Now, Jesus did his part of the conviction and all that kind of stuff, and you put your faith and trust in him, but the, but, but the, the first step to you getting saved was somebody told you about Jesus. That was the first step. And so here's what I want to do. I want to encourage everybody, all right? And, here, and you're like, well, Buchanan, you keep talking about sharing the gospel all the time. We have to talk about sharing the gospel. We have to talk about it. We have to talk about, and, and this is a better way to say it. I don't, not just about sharing the gospel. We need to talk about making disciples. Go and make disciples, okay? Because we can win people to the world like crazy, but if we don't help them to follow Jesus, those people will make decisions and they'll be gone. We need, we need, to, we need to, if we lead someone to Christ, we need to walk. I, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm telling you, I'm convicted. There, 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 there have been a couple people that I've had gospel conversations with, and there's one person in particular that I told you about earlier that I led to Christ, and I have not done a good job of mentoring him and helping him to follow Christ. I've got to do a better job. And, and it's not because, I, here's the deal. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for how you're working. Lord God, if there's anybody on the sound of my voice, Lord God, who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus, today's the day. Today is the day. And Lord God, right now,